Uh, last night, <laughs> I had the privilege, I say privilege, to go up to Gainesville. And I attended the Florida-Tennessee game last night with Scott Anderley. And he had a great time, but I did not. And um, <laughs> so I got back home. I, we got back home. We pulled in my, my driveway at 2.30 in the morning. And I had to get up at 5.30 because I had to check in for my flight. And then I was up around, I don't remember, 7, 7.30. I know. I slept in. I'm a rebel. And uh, so somebody asked me, you going to go home and take a nap? I said, I can't. i got to watch my little man. And i got to watch the Bengals play, watch them lost as well. So it's been a great, great uh, uh, day. It's been a great weekend. And, uh, <laughs> but I praise the Lord. I'm thankful for um, the opportunity to speak to you tonight. We were at the game last night, and there was about over 90,000 people there. And I'm thinking to myself, man, these, these fans are passionate. These fans have a heart, they have a desire for their team. And I'm the same way. And I told Scott, I said, I can't yell, I can't scream, i got to preach tomorrow night, i got to sing in the morning. But I was thinking to myself, if these fans can be passionate, then we as Christians should be passionate about the things of God. Listen, I love sports. And I use sports as an outlet from ministry. But nothing, nothing in the sports world will ever get me more excited than the things of God. I love preaching. It's what God has called me to do, and I'm passionate about it. I love it, and I'm so thankful for the opportunity to do this tonight. Pastor Johnny mentioned earlier, I will be heading out tomorrow, and I know I will not be long tonight, and I know when preachers say that, you're like, yeah, okay. And, uh, but I will not be long tonight. I have to be up at 1 o'clock in the morning, and I'll be leaving my house at 1.30 to head up to Tampa. And uh, as Pastor Johnny mentioned, my uh, my grandmother, I call her my mamma, uh, went home to be with the Lord early Thursday morning. But I know she's with the Lord. I know I'll see her again one day. I look forward to that day. A lot of us have loved ones that are with Christ. We know heaven is so much sweeter. We look forward to the day when we'll see them, but I look forward to the day when I'll see Jesus face to face. And I mean that. I, I wholeheartedly mean that. I'll be flying up tomorrow. My family and I will be singing in the service. My dad will be uh, conducting the service. And my dad mentioned to me there's a lot of outside family, a lot of extended family that do not know Christ. So if you would pray for my family tomorrow, pray for my dad as he gives the gospel. And that God would use this service tomorrow for his honor and for his glory. And uh, I know that would be greatly appreciated. If you would open your Bibles with me, please, tonight to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37. Genesis, of course, is the very first book in the Bible, and pastor's going through a series, but we will not be continuing his series. I'll be in Genesis chapter 37 tonight, and we'll begin reading in verse number 1. Genesis chapter 37, verse number 1. The Bible says, And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. And the lad was with the sons of Bila and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now Israel, of course that's Jacob, Israel loved Joseph more than all of his children because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him. He could not speak peaceably unto him. 
As we move down to verse number 12, the Bible says, And his brethren went to feed their flock, or their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem? Come, and I will send thee unto them. And he said to him, Here am I. And he said to him, Go, I pray thee, see whether it will be well with thy brother and, with, and well with the flocks, and bring me word again. So he went him out of the vale of Hebron and came to Shechem. And a certain man found him, and behold, he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him, saying, What seekest thou? And he said, I seek my brethren. Tell me, I pray thee, where they feed their flocks. And the man said, They are departed hence. For I heard them say, Let us go down to Dothan. And Joseph went after his brethren and found them in Dothan. And when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him and cast him into some pit. And we will say, Some evil beast hath devoured him, and we will see what will be come of his dreams. And Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands and said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said unto them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit that is in the wilderness, and lay no hand upon him, that he might rid him out of their hands to deliver him to his father again. And it came to pass, when Joseph was coming to his brethren, and they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him. And they took him and cast him into a pit. And the pit was empty. There was no water in it. They sat down to eat bread and they lifted up their eyes and looked. And behold, a company of Ishmaelites came before Gilead with their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh going to carry it down to Egypt. And Judah said unto his brethren, what profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come and let us sell to him the Ishmaelites and let not our hand be upon him. For he is our brother and our flesh and his brethren were content. Tonight, I want to speak to you about this thought, this subject here to this passage of Scripture. Joseph's journey from the pit to the palace. Joseph's journey from the pit to the palace. Father, I pray that you'd help me, help me tonight. Lord, I need you. I cannot do this alone. Lord, you know my heart is hurting. Lord, I pray that you give me the strength that I need. Hide me behind the cross. Speak to me tonight. Speak through me tonight. Lord, may I point people to you. Give me a touch, God, that only you can give. Lord, would you speak to the hearts of your people? And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. A certain evangelist's wife passed away. And when he had to be away in meetings, he hired a babysitter to take care of his two sons. Whenever he had been away, he would bring them a gift when he arrived back home. One day, however, he came home and had forgotten to buy the boys a gift. When they asked for their presents, the father told him that he would take them to the store and that they could have whatever they wanted. When they arrived, the first thing they saw was the candy counter. They decided they wanted to buy candy. Their father said, let's look around a little more first. Then they went to the uh, toy department and saw cowboy suits complete with guns, hats, and ropes. They both yelled, this is what we want. Their father replied, let's just look around a little first. Next, they went into the sporting goods and found basketballs. They began to dribble these around the store and told their father that they wanted to buy the basketballs. The father said, let's look around just a little bit more. 
So they continued to shop, and as they did, they spotted two brand new 10-speed bikes against the back wall. Their father saw that they were looking at and said, how would you like to have those bikes? Those two boys left that store with far more than they bargained for because their father refused to let them settle for less than his best. You see, he had intended to buy the bikes all along. Those two boys thought that candy would be wonderful, but their father had something far more wonderful in mind. Can I tell you, that's the same way with our Lord. He has plans for us that only we can begin to imagine. We see things and formulate plans that we think would be wonderful, but God has something far more special for us than we could ever imagine. As a Christian, I'm often amazed about how God is so good to me. And when I consider all that he has done for me, he is doing and he has promised to do. I am sometimes so overwhelmed. Tonight, I want to look at the life of a dreamer, a man named Joseph. He had a reputation for dreaming. Joseph's life is one of the most amazing studies in the Bible because he is a picture of Jesus and a portrait of the amazing grace of God. But today I want to look at the parallels between Joseph's life and that of the average Christian. When we look at what he endured, it is almost impossible not to see yourself in the life of Joseph. Can I tell you tonight that there is hurt, excuse me, there is hope for the hurting, help for the struggling, and a hand for the following in these verses and in this next couple of chapters about the life of this man named Joseph. God had a special plan for the life of Joseph. And can I tell you tonight that no matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, that God has a special plan for your life as well. But sadly, many people lack the faith or the vision to find out what God's plan for them really is. There is something that God wants all of us to do tonight. He has something for you to do that no one else can do. He wants to work in you, through you, and around you in a very unique and special way. He has something that only you can do, and it will not be done unless you do it. God wants to use us tonight. As we have read this passage of Scripture, we find that Joseph is 17 years old. He's a kid. I'm only 28 and you guys think I'm young. Joseph, 17. And I believe if he, if he was around today, 17 years old, he'd only be a junior in high school. He is the youngest of 10 brothers, as the Bible tells us, and he is his father's favorite. Jacob loved Joseph so much that he decided, as we read, to make him a coat of many colors. And as the scriptures go on, we find that Joseph's brothers are jealous of him. They envied him and they hated him. And as we look at Joseph's life, we see what happens in these next few chapters and what the things Joseph had to endure, watch this now, for God to use him in a great way. Let's look at the life of Joseph here for just a few moments. Joseph's journey from the pit to the palace. Number one, I want to share with you this tonight. I see here, number one, the plan of the brothers. The plan of the brothers. Verse number 18, the Bible says, And when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, watch this, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. 
Come now, therefore, and let us slay him and cast him into some pit. And we will say some evil beast hath devoured him and we shall see what will become of his dreams. It took Joseph now, perhaps, of course, as we read earlier, Joseph's father told him to go down to Shechem and his brothers were in Shechem. It took Joseph perhaps three days to go from Hebron to Shechem. But when he got there, he learned that his brothers had moved 13 miles north to Dothan, which meant another's day journey. When he came into his brother's range of, uh, range of vision, they immediately, erec- they immediately recognized him from afar off because he had his coat of many colors on. And they began to make plans to conspire against him. In verses 5 through 11, we find Joseph has two dreams. These dreams tell of his brothers bowing down to him and they don't like that. Yet years later, we would find out that would be true. Joseph's brother's hearts were filled with envy and hatred. And those two things simmer in the heart and waits for the spark that will set off of the explosion. The brothers didn't have to be tempted in order to decide to harm Joseph. All they needed was the opportunity and it wasn't long in coming. Their derisive statement, behold, this dreamer cometh, could be translated as this. Here comes the dream expert. In this situation, Joseph's dreams had gotten him in trouble. But 13 years later, other people's dreams would get him out of trouble. When they see Joseph coming, the brothers immediately form a plan to kill him. They wanted to get rid of him. They wanted him to, they wanted to get him out of their life. They were sick and tired of him. They were tired of hearing his dreams. They were tired of being his father's favorite. And they wanted to get him out of their life. So they plan to kill him. They see him coming. This is the chance that they've been waiting for. They will kill him. They will throw his body in a nearby pit and report to their father that Joseph had been killed by a wild animal. But however, the oldest, Reuben, stepped in and he insists that they throw Joseph alive into the pit, implying that they will leave Joseph to die in the wilderness. Imagine now Joseph is just 17 years old. He's just a teenager. He's just a young kid. And yet his siblings hate him. His siblings cannot stand him. His siblings want to do everything they can to get him out. Yet this is what God had in store for him. When God wants to use us, listen, there are times that we have to deal with some horrible people. We might have to deal with people who don't like us. We might have to deal with people who talk bad about us. We might have to deal with people who even hate us. And we might have to deal with some people who will stab us in the back. And it doesn't make any sense. And and we question and we wonder why is life like this? But we must realize that God is in control and it's part of God's plan for our life. Joseph's brothers plotted against him and wanted to kill him. But little did Joseph know that all of this was for God's good and for his glory. There might be some people right now in your life that that they are against you. They don't like you. They don't like the fact that you serve God. They don't like the fact that you're a Christian. They don't like the fact that you come to church and you give your life to God and that you serve in this ministry and that ministry and this ministry. But can I tell you tonight that God uses people like that to draw you closer to him? The plan of the brothers. There might be people in your life right now. They're against you. They don't like you, but listen, it's all part of God's plan. Joseph's brothers hated him. They wanted him dead. This is all a a part of what God had in store. 
the plan of the brothers. Wow. Your own blood, your own siblings hate you. But little did Joseph know, God was in control. The plan of the brothers, but watch this. Number two, I see here the pit of despair. The pit of despair. Verse number 23. It came to pass when Joseph was coming to his brother and that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him. They took him and cast him into a pit. And the pit was empty. There was no water in it. Now the brothers agreed to Reuben's plan. All right, we're not going to kill him. But we're going to take that coat of many colors. We're going to rip it off of him. We're going to throw him into this pit. Sick of it. We're tired. We're done. They strip Joseph of his robe and they lower him alive into the pit. And when they sit down to eat together while Reuben is away, they spot a caravan of traders traveling by the road to Egypt. Judah now, one of the other older brothers, suggests a new plan. Why not make some money off of Joseph and also at the same time get rid of him? If they sell him as a slave instead of killing him or allowing him to die, they can claim that they are innocent of the blood of a family member as well. All the other brothers there agree. And Joseph is immediately sold to the traitors. To fully, now we know the story, to fully sell the lie that Joseph is gone and the brothers are innocent, they fabricate evidence. They kill a goat and smear the blood on Joseph's robe and they return to Jacob, their father, and they cruelly ask him to confirm that this belongs to Joseph. Jacob reaches the exact, con- or re- uh, Jacob reaches the exact conclusion they hope for that Joseph had been eaten by a wild animal. Imagine how Joseph is in this pit. He's been rejected. He's been betrayed. I imagine he felt alone. If it's nighttime, he's probably cold. He has nothing, hardly anything on him. His own brothers, his own blood didn't want him. He was just a teenager and he had to deal with the pain of rejection and betrayal. Some of you tonight, you know what it's like to deal with pain and rejection. You know what it's like to deal with betrayal. You know what it's like to deal with family that have completely turned their backs on you. You don't know why. It doesn't make sense. But God knows and God uses the pain of rejection and betrayal to bring something good out of it. Joseph had to deal with being thrown into this pit even though he was just a teenager. Watch this. Because it was the will of God. It's hard to imagine though that God will allow such a thing to happen to 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 such a young teenage boy. But in his sovereignty, he knew what he was doing. He knew what was going on. He knew what was happening. And when it's all said and done, Joseph would look back on his life and he would look his brothers in the face and say, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. Pit of despair. Some of you right now might be in a pit. You might be dealing with pain. You might be dealing with rejection. You might be dealing with betrayal. Maybe some of you just came out of that pit. Listen, I don't know your life, but God does. And can I tell you, He knows what's going on. And He's working all of this for your good. Sometimes God allows us to be thrown into the pit. He does. Sometimes God allows us to be cast away. I think of the three Hebrew boys in the book of Daniel. They dealt with their pit 
when they are thrown into that fiery furnace for taking a stand for God. I think of Daniel who was thrown into the den of lions. He was thrown into an actual pit full of lions. I think of Jesus, the Son of God. He came to this earth, the holy, righteous Lamb of God. Yet he dealt and was rejected and betrayed amongst his own people. Look, God knows what you're going through. You might be in the pit of despair, but God knows. And God understands and he's right there with you. The pit of despair. Listen, in this life we will face pain and rejection and betrayal. But don't ever forget that God is in control and He knows what He's doing. You say, Pastor Ethan, a lot of this is a lot easier said than done. You're exactly right, it is. But don't ever forget, we serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's in control. The pit of despair. Number three, watch this. I love this. I see the presence of God. We're going to fast forward a little bit in Joseph's life. We're going to go to chapter 39. Watch this. <clears throat> chapter 39, verse number 2. Skip a chapter, come to 39. The Bible says this. And the Lord was with Joseph. Verse number 3. And his master, of course, Potiphar, saw that the Lord was with him. Joseph was a country boy from an unsophisticated family and he found himself being transported to the capital city of the most advanced nation on the earth. Imagine how Joseph must have felt as the camels crested the last hill and the wonders of ancient Egypt spread out before him on the plains of Giza. The great pyramids would have been standing in Joseph's day. In fact, they would have been over a thousand years old as uh, his great-grandfather Abraham visited that land many years before them and he would have saw the pyramids as well. Joseph would have seen the Sphinx and the great Egyptian temples and the opulent palaces of the Pharaoh and his people. It would have been a great shock to this young man. Imagine 17 years old. I'm 28. I would have been shocked. His life was changed. Every mile he traveled moved him farther away from his home and from his father. Every new sight confirmed the truth that his life was forever changing. Every new word, every new sound, every new smell told Joseph that his life would never be the same. On the surface, it seems that circumstances cannot have been far worse for Joseph. But in reality, those difficult days were mere steps on the path God had planned for Joseph. It may have appeared that all of Joseph's dreams had shattered, but the God who gave the dreams in the first place was working behind the scenes to ensure that they would all be fulfilled in his time. What no one could see in all this trouble surrounding young Joseph's life is stated clearly in verse number 2 of chapter 39 where the Bible says, And the Lord was with Joseph. I want us to know that the great truth tonight that our God is always with His people to see Him through their trials, to accomplish His plans in their lives, and to use Him to point the lost world to Himself. Even when Joseph's brothers plotted against Him, God was still with Him. Even when Joseph sold slavery, uh, was sold into slavery and worked and slaved for Potiphar, God was still with Him. Don't ever lose focus that when we're going through a trial, when we're going through a storm, when we're going through a difficult circumstance, that God is by our side. The presence of God. 
I love what the Bible says, and I quote this verse often. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 5. God said, and the writer said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Who's he talking about? He's talking about the God of heaven. Listen, we can trust in the promise of God that he's right by our side. There were many Semitic slaves like Joseph in Egypt, but Joseph was very special because the Lord was with him. Because the Lord was with Joseph, he was a man of accomplishment. But what Joseph accomplished, we can accomplish if we trust in the Lord and seek to honor him as Joseph did. It was clear that God showed prominent favor in Joseph's life. God showed his faithfulness and his blessings in Joseph's life. God set everything up just like it needed to be so that Joseph arrived exactly where he needed to be at the exact moment he needed to be there. Joseph might have been a slave, but he was safe in the arms of divine providence. He might have been separated from his earthly father, but his heavenly father went with him and before him into Egypt. You can see how much control the Lord has by looking at the actions of the people involved in this account. Joseph's brothers, the Ishmaelite traders in Potiphar, were all surfing, serving their own selfish interests. His brothers wanted to rid Joseph in his dreams. The Ishmaelites were out for a prophet. Potiphar was just looking for a good deal on a slave. What they could not see is that they were all unwittingly accomplishing the purposes of God. Isn't it a blessing to know that all the events of our lives are part of, are part of God's plan for us? While the events of Joseph's life appeared to be out of control, they were actually being controlled by God. Joseph was being protected by the Lord. Can I tell you tonight, you can trust in the presence of God. He's right there with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Thank God for his presence. We see, number one, the plan of the brothers... We saw, secondly, the pit of despair. We saw the presence of God, but lastly, and I'm finished. I told you I'd be done, short. Number four, I see the palace of dreams. The palace of dreams. Go to chapter 41, would you? Chapter 41, verse number 41. Watch this. We're going to fast forward again through the life of Joseph just a little bit. Chapter 41, verse number 41. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him to ride in the second chariot which he had. And they cried before him, Bow the knee. And he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. Of Egypt. <clears throat> we have just now fast forwarded a few years in the life of Joseph. In chapters that we didn't read, he had been falsely accused by Potiphar's wife and was thrown into prison for two years. To anyone looking at the life of Joseph from outside of the circle, from outside of the picture, it must have appeared that the Lord had forgotten all about him. After all, I mean, he was a faithful servant of the Lord, but he was in a prison doing time for a crime he had not committed. It only looked like God had forsaken him. 
God was working behind the scenes to accomplish his eternal purposes. God uses three amazing turns of events to bring about Joseph's release from prison. You know, sometimes in life, we have to wait on God. God reminds us to be patient and to trust Him. And may we, may we, may we always remember tonight as a Christian and a believer that God is always on time. He is never early and He is never late. God used the long, grinding years in the prison to teach Joseph patience and dependence. And God placed Joseph in a waiting room and left him there until, uh, until some very valuable lessons had been learned. God taught Joseph to wait on the Lord and to trust the Lord in spite of the situation at hand. Have you ever experienced one of those in, uh, in life waiting room moments? I'm talking about a time when the Lord seems to have forgotten who you are and where you are and what your address is. I'm talking about those times when it seems like your prayers are not being answered. Nothing is going like you planned and it seems that God is not interested in you or need it or, uh, or, or your need at all. Providential delays are never easy, but they are designed to focus our faith and increase our dependence upon the Lord. While in prison, Joseph interprets the dreams for the butler. And the baker. We find that these dreams, of course, do come true. Joseph interprets a dream for the butler. The dream came true. The butler was released. He went back to serve Pharaoh. Joseph interprets the dream for the baker. The dream comes true. And the baker loses his life. The butler is released to work for Pharaoh. And the baker is put to death. But then all of a sudden, the Pharaoh here, the king of Egypt, starts having dreams that no one could interpret. The chief butler finally remembers, oh, I know a man who can interpret dreams. He tells Pharaoh the story of Joseph and is delivered from the prison and brought to the palace. The hand of God is seen in this sequence of events. Joseph is brought to Pharaoh only when Pharaoh has been brought to the place of desperation. On any other day, this powerful ruler, the ruler of the most powerful nation in all the world, would have never listened to anything a prisoner had to say. But on this day, he had no choice. He was desperate for answers, and he was willing to listen to anyone who could possibly give those answers to him. Joseph stands before Pharaoh and listens as the king display, uh, displays his dilemma. The king, Pharaoh, he stands there and he tells him of the dreams he is having. And Joseph listens and Joseph gives Pharaoh the interpretation. But before he does, we watch Joseph display true humility. And he po points Pharaoh to the Lord. Even after all he had been through, Joseph is not bitter. But he is actively seeking ways to bring glory and honor to the Lord. Joseph is not upset about the delays and he's not upset about the problems he had faced and he's not upset about being falsely accused and he's not upset about being cast into prison no the very first thing he does it says it is God who gives me the interpretation for these dreams it doesn't matter what had happened Joseph wasn't bitter he wasn't upset for Joseph everything was about the Lord Every problem, every struggle, every trial was about the Lord. In Joseph's mind, Joseph did not matter. His battles don't matter. Even Pharaoh doesn't matter. 
All that matters is the Lord and His glory. Joseph knows that the Lord in this moment, he, he, uh, he knows that the Lord in this moment gives him the interpretation for these dreams. We go on and read what happened to these dreams. Joseph interprets these dreams. And what happens next? Joseph went from being a prisoner to being second in command of all of Egypt. Joseph, of course, had an amazing plan. And as we read the scriptures, it worked. But Joseph realized that it was all because of the Lord. He was promoted from being over, he was promoted from being a prisoner in Potiphar's prison to ruling over a whole nation. He's given the position of what we call a grand vizier. In that position, he had all the rights and powers of the king. And in the absence of the king, the vizier functioned in that capacity. Wow. Can I tell you tonight that no one but God could accomplish something so astounding as that? Pharaoh even recognized the hand of the Lord on Joseph and gave God the glory for what had taken place. And when you look over the course of Joseph's life, we see that it doesn't make sense. We see that this story, of course, we know if we read the Bible, we know what happens. But when we see that, why would God allow a 17-year-old boy to go through this? Why would God allow a teenager to go through this horrible circumstance to leave his family and to be completely uh, thrown into another country and then be accused of some false accusation and then be thrown into prison and then all of a sudden to be second in command of an entire nation? Because it was all a part of God's plan and God's purpose for Joseph's life. What a journey Joseph endured. From being in a pit, being betrayed, being sold into slavery, to now being second in command and standing in the palace of a king. May I say tonight that when we look at our life, May we be reminded that God is in control and He uses our circumstances around us to shape us and to mold us into what He wants us to be. I don't know what you're going through tonight, but He does. And He's using your circumstances for His honor and for His glory And I promise you, he's going to bring something good out of it. Just like he did in the life of Joseph. Sometimes life doesn't make sense. A lot of you in this room are older than me. You've lived life. You know. You understand. It doesn't make sense. Why would God allow me to go through this? But then we look back and we say, oh, that's why. Joseph would go on to later say, as I mentioned earlier, the end of Genesis. His brothers come back to meet him. 20 years later, they hadn't seen Joseph. They thought Joseph was actually dead. And they come, and they see Joseph. And Joseph looks at him and says, Ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. Wow. Joseph's journey from the pit to the palace.